This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, welcome in. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is getting colder outside. It's supposed to be cold this weekend. But right now, put your feet up near the radio, put your hands up near the radio, put your your body near the radio because Sports Talk is bringing you the heat. We're going to bring the heat on Friday night and warm you up heading into the weekend. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel, Chris Bergen in the snow up in Boone, North Carolina, as Coastal Carolina made the trek up from Georgia Southern after losing a three-point game last night. So he won't be with us. But Pat and I are here, and we welcome you into the program. Phone number 888-898-2525, Plenty of time for calls tonight. Over the first 90 minutes, and then birdies, bogeys, biceps with George Bryan III at uh, 7.35. Just left Shane Beamer a little while ago, had a press conference to uh, introduce his two new assistant coaches and also to talk about his football team as things stand now here in the offseason as pretty much they've got the roster together for now. There'll be another uh Another transfer period uh, in the spring with a transfer portal, John, window will be open. So, you know, some players will leave and they may go out and bring in some other players. You know, Beamer said having a, what is it, like 20 some odd uh, transfers coming in, not something he really plans to do on a regular basis. Uh, He said this is just the result of so many players leaving. And so he had to go back out and replace them because their numbers were, from a scholarship standpoint, from high school recruiting, a little bit low because of what happened in the couple of years uh, prior to this. So he had to make up for those players leaving by going out and hitting the portal pretty hard. And he likes the players that he's bringing in. He likes the two uh, new coaches that he's bringing in, James Coley. He spoke today. Of course, James Coley's a well-traveled veteran coach who's been successful pretty much everywhere he's been very highly regarded coach and Beamer said as soon as things happened at Texas A&M he knew that he was going to go after him and he wanted him in the program and so they made the adjustments and then of course with Jody Wright leaving that opened up a spot to bring in um the new coach Coley to coach wide receivers and then to move Justin Stepp over to coaching the tight end position. So that's worked out well. And officially today, the board of trustees approved the contract for the new running backs coach, Marquell Blackwell, who was coming from Texas A&M where he was with Coley. In fact, it was Coley that suggested to Beamer that he take a look at Blackwell. And before he was at A&M, Blackwell was at Ole Miss where he coached one of the best running backs in the country. And before that, he was at Houston. So 
he is a guy that has a reputation for being an excellent position coach, uh, an excellent recruiter, and um, somebody who will fit in well with the USC program, according to Beamer. So the Gamecock coaching staff looks like this, Beamer, and then Pete Limbo, associate head coach, special teams coordinator, Dowell Loggins, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, Clayton White, defensive coordinator, inside linebackers coach, Marquel Blackwell, running backs coach, James Coley, wide receivers coach, Torian Gray, defensive backs coach, Sterling Lucas, outside linebackers, defensive ends coach, Travian Robertson, defensive line coach, Justin Stepp, tight ends coach, Lonnie Teasley, offensive line coach. The terms for Marquell and his contract, he gets a two-year deal that will pay him 400000 base salary this coming year, and then five seventy-five for 2025. And, of course, there are bonuses that are, that are built in that <clears throat> based on how the team does. So the Gamecocks are set. Now, are you ever really set because – as Beamer said, NFL teams have been coming after Sterling Lucas. That's why they signed him to a contract extension. And, you know, they hope he's going to stay with this new contract and probably will. But once the NFL season is completely done, uh, then you could have some openings at some places and some teams might come, come calling to talk to his coaches about NFL opportunities. But as of right now, it, they appear <clears throat> to be set with their coaching staff and they appear to be Pretty satisfied with who they've got. They're ready to move forward. Uh, Beamer said that winter workouts have gone very well. The newcomers have meshed well with the returnees, both the um, high school players who've enrolled early and those who came from the Portal John. They've all seemed to fit in quite well. One bit of personnel news, he said that Trey Jones, uh, offensive lineman who has started on and off in his career in recent years, uh has taken a step away from football and is going through some things, as Beamer put it, thinking out some things. Now, Gamecock Central reported that he is going to be giving up football. Beamer wasn't quite to that uh, point yet in saying that he's not going to continue with the football team, just that he's taking some time away to um, think some things out. So somewhere in there, the truth lives, and we'll just see what happens there with with Trey Jones. Uh, You'd hate to lose him because he's a veteran offensive lineman in the position of need for South Carolina. And I imagine, you know, Beamer, fingers crossed, hoping that things will work out and the young man will decide to stay with the football team. But that's the situation there. Uh, Otherwise, um, he just talked about the two. uh, We'll we'll play some of it for you here coming up at the bottom of the hour. He talked about his new two, his, his new assistants and, um, Feels like the guys are working hard here in the offseason. Looking forward to um, what's ahead of them this coming season. And just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. They've got a weekend coming up with some players coming in for visits. So they're looking forward to having guys on campus. So uh, we will bring you some of that here coming up in just uh, a few minutes. In the meantime, our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you. Basketball this weekend, South Carolina and Clemson men, both going out on the road. South Carolina heading out to Arkansas, uh, looking to uh, rebound from their home loss. In fact, both teams looking to rebound from their home losses on uh, 
this past Tuesday night. Gamecocks heading out to Arkansas. Always a dangerous opponent, Arkansas is. They got off to the good start. Remember, they beat Duke at home. They stormed the court. And then uh, they kind of cooled off a little bit. But they did get a nice win the other night. So uh, I think that was over Missouri. So they, they'll, be feeling, uh, they'll be feeling pretty good, thinking that this is a game that they should win over South Carolina. And so we'll see how the Gamecocks are able to handle that with no Miles Studi uh, to help them <clears throat> in terms of his um, veteran leadership and his outside shooting. And Clemson, the Tigers um, beginning a little two-game road trip at Florida State. And then they're off during the week. They will uh, return the following Saturday at Duke before they come home for Louisville and Virginia and then travel to Chapel Hill. So a couple of big games ahead for Clemson as they try to um, turn things around. <clears throat> the Tigers <clears throat> excuse me, have lost four of their last five <clears throat> after their hot start. So crucial weekend ahead for them down at Florida State and then, of course, uh, the following weekend at Duke. Uh, oh, and something else, <coughs> excuse me, fighting a little bit of a head cold here. We're going to get through it, though. This came out uh, late this afternoon. I haven't had a chance to read the details because I was transitioning from the the press conference uh, with Beamer, uh, trying to get back over here to the studios. But now Beamer was asked the question about, um, Beamer was asked the question about, uh, you know, the perception that NIL dollars are just flying freely out there in recruiting high school players and in the portal, and deals are being made, uh, and nobody's really hiding those deals. It, you know, it's, it's not something that appears to be a secret out there. The deals are being made, and, and you saw where Florida State got hit by the NCAA with penalties related to NIL and recruiting because the NCAA is still trying to have some teeth in, in all of that. Well, and, and Beamer, his response to the question of um, how did he react to the fact that the NCAA came down on Florida State, and his reaction was, well, you just follow the rules. If you stay within the rules, you don't have a problem. And he said that they stay within the rules, so they don't expect to have a problem. He's not concerned about it. Uh, he feels like that uh, they're in good shape as far as following whatever rules there are that are out there. And they're following those rules. But there was a story by Matt Baker from the uh, Tampa Times, Tampa Bay Times this afternoon, that the Florida football program is under NCAA investigation. He writes, this investigation has been underway since at least June 9th, when the NCAA sent the school president a notice of inquiry. That's a formal document that the NCAA enforcement staff sends to schools to inform them of what they are being investigated about. In other words, they, the NCAA works backwards to uh, the real world. They, they presume you are guilty and force you to prove your innocence. I think it's the other way around in our courts, right? You're supposed to be innocent until they prove you guilty. Well, they, they're convinced you're guilty until you, you prove you're innocent. I think the, the way we do it in the court system probably works best. The specific nature of the investigation and potential violations are not specified in the note, but in October, the Tampa Bay Times requested any notices of inquiry 
regarding potential violations related, related to name, image, and likeness or recruiting. Of course, they had that big blow-up with the quarterback. Was that right about that time when that went down? Well, that's what this is centered around, and, and I've, I've got more details all here right. if this helps. So this is all centered around a highly touted high school quarterback, Jaden Rashada, who is now is, is now at Arizona State. He initially – you going to mute your mic for you. He initially uh, had been committed to Miami, and then he flipped from Miami to Florida. Let's see. That was – back on November 10th of last year, and specified the reason as being NIL. Uh, he signed a four, reportedly a four-year deal worth more than $13 million with the Gator Collective. It's an independent fundraising group that's loosely tied to the university and directly pays student uh, athletes for, for NIL. So keep that in mind. It originally was centered around a four-year deal worth $13 million, but then after he signed... There was some dispute there, and the Gator Collective basically said they would no longer be honoring that deal. There was a lot of back and forth, so a lot of these are, are kind of accusations being heard back and forth. He said, she said. Well, either way, the young man ended up committing to Arizona State. But that appears to be what this entire thing is centered around is the way this read, they directly used this $13 million offer to incentivize the player to switch from Miami to Florida which is a big no-no, we're being told, with NIL, even though, again, as you've pointed out, if you're going to go after Florida State or go after Florida, you could go after 75 other schools probably at the same time. But that is what this story apparently is centered around, and now uh, that Florida has said that they will cooperate with any and all issues from the NCAA with this and hope to have this conducted quickly. Back a few months ago, their head coach was asked if he thought that there would be, if Billy Napier thought if there would be any investigation with this or anything moving forward and he said no well now it appears that's untrue and there actually is stuff going on <clears throat> well <clears throat> you know i'm glad you hit all that turn my mic up just a little bit if you would please thank yeah. you i think uh, i'm more hard of hearing tonight than normal because i'm congested ah, so i it. get it turned up higher so here's the thing and this was kind of my point of asking beamer the question but uh, didn't really get into it but it's it's like this the NCAA gets a lot of their leads from what they read in the media. Right. Media they believe, media they don't believe, but they get a lot of their leads. You know, people call them, they read stuff. Used to be they would read, you know, your, your big newspapers. And now, you know, they're looking at websites, they're looking at message boards, et cetera. You got people who cover South Carolina and Clemson who present themselves as insiders. Okay, granted, we'll grant you insider status. <clears throat> you apparently have contacts. You apparently have information that few other people on the, on the planet have. Thus, you are an insider. On both sides, South Carolina and Clemson, these insiders have written about competing for players with NIL dollars, that they didn't get this guy because the NIL wasn't big enough on their end and he went somewhere else. Or they got this guy because they upped the NIL or the attempt to use NIL, the attempt to increase the NIL, the attempt to bid for the player is going on. I mean, this has been written about by both insiders at South Carolina and Clemson. I've read it with my own two blue eyes. And um, <clears throat> so if it's if and, 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 you know, it's happening, this sort of stuff is uh, going on with every school that's participating on the NIL side of things. Um, 
and how can you how can you say you're within the rules? How can you be so sure when so many people not within your grasp are involved in this because you've got these collectives? I know you're trying to centralize it and bring them in-house, but you still have outside agencies involved, have been involved in the past. And if they've been involved in the past, (coughs) the NCAA is not afraid to go back, as they've done here with Florida, and turn the clock back. You might say you're, you're, you're within parameters now, but... When all when you took the money from these these offshoot uh, collectives that came out of nowhere <clears throat> when NIL started happening <clears throat> and they were making deals for you and they were bidding on your players and others were bidding on your player and vice versa and you were using it also to retain players that that's all the NCAA needs to see right so you know doesn't take a genius to figure out that if they went after Florida State now they're going to go after Florida. They got others. They got others in line that they will eventually get to. And and so, what happens here? How do we react to this? You know, um, how can the NCAA even have any muscle behind these investigations when they buried their head when all this was developing and didn't really give the schools? They're they're putting the rules in place after things were already being done when they buried their heads and said nothing as NIL and transfer portal were blowing up, they couldn't be heard from. And now you're going to go back and penalize people for rules you put in after the fact. So, I mean, what else you got? I'm totally with you. I found a little bit more information here. It looks like about, about a month after he had initially committed to Florida. So this is now December 7th. Uh, Gator Collective CEO Eddie Rojas sent a termination letter to Rashada and his reps on December 7th. A source with with knowledge of the negotiations told the AP, quote, that not all of the financial backers were aware that the signed deal had increased from roughly $5 million over four years to now more than $13 million over four years. I mean, that's an extra $2 million a year, $8 Uh million total. That's quite a lot. And then a little bit more information on... Eddie Rojas is CEO of the Gator Collective, which he launched in August 2021. He's a former Florida baseball player who entered the NIL space with a crowdsourcing platform, and he said he hoped to make his alma mater known as, quote, NILU. He said of his collective in April, quote, I would venture to say the Gator Collective is paying more guaranteed money than any group in the country. When I write a contract, I want to make sure that we actually have the money in our account. Which then seems interesting if... They did not have the money in their account. Yeah. Got it. So there you go. I mean, this is just the beginning, the, the tip of another big old iceberg in, in college athletics that we're going to have to uh, navigate around or <clears throat> or crash into and, and sink. Um, I mean, we've already got precedent set with Florida State and the penalties they have handed out. And this goes back to June. So Florida probably – has been negotiating, I would imagine, has been negotiating with the NCAA on penalties, you know. And, and the penalties, I mean, are, are not – what they handed out to Florida State, I don't believe, are extremely severe. Uh, they cut a few scholarships. They limited some recruiting stuff here and there. But, I mean, they're not – penalties are going to handicap the program or anything like that, not going to set them back. So, basically, you're just getting the embarrassment of having a probation leveled against you and an investigation going against you and your, and your wrist slap by the NCAA, which is 
you know, trying to muscle back up <clears throat> and have a little bit of a say-so here in what's going on in recruiting and in college athletics. But, again, I don't know how you can go back and enforce something after you put the rules in after the fact, after they were already doing this stuff. Right. And another detail here, keep in mind, this is the second NCAA investigation Florida's had in the last four years. They were placed on, a, on probation for a year and then, back when then-coach Dan Mullen was dealt a one-year show-calls penalty for recruiting violations back in 2020. Yeah. All right, very good. Well, that's uh, kind of the late-breaking story of the afternoon uh, coming out of uh, Gainesville, actually Tampa, writing the story. <clears throat> but it, um, it's something to keep an eye on. One other note from um, Shane Beamer is uh, Ja'Kai Moore is back with them, uh, still with them, and... Um, he is expected to be, uh, according to Beamer, expected to be with them this season. So he's got an extra season of eligibility. Looks like he's going to take advantage of it and continue to uh, continue to play uh, with the with the Gamecocks. All right, let's take a quick phone call, Pat. Go ahead and put the caller on the air, and uh, let's hit the phones. We're going to be going down to the Low Country to visit with. If he's not a new caller, I don't believe we've had him on in a while. So welcome into the program. Howard down in Somerville. Howard in Somerville. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon the voice. Welcome in. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good, and I've got the same problem with the voice, so excuse me ahead of time. Yes, sir. But on this NIL, uh, I don't think that or the portal is ever going to go away, do you? No. Okay. Well, on that note, why can't the NCAA come back out with the, if you transfer to a Division One, Division One? You have to set out for a year like they used to do. And during that one year, you cannot collect NIL. I know these schools and coaches spend a lot of time and money recruiting. And for these guys to come in and stay one year and then bail, maybe that would discourage some of it. Courts say you can't do that. I mean, the NCAA is losing at every turn in the court system. Um, and now the uh, attorney general of the state of Ohio is is joining in a lawsuit to shoot down the penalty, the, the, the restriction on transferring more than once. Now, you know, the NCAA gave everybody a pass because of court action right now that you can transfer more than once without penalty. That's why you see these guys like transferring multiple times. But that was only for right now. I think in their mind, they wanted to go back and reinstate the penalty if you transferred more than once. Now there, you got uh, several states with their attorney general uh, joining in lawsuits to try and shoot that down so that a player can transfer as many times as they want without penalty. That's you're making life hard on these coaches and these schools. <sighs> well, yeah, but you know what? Yep. The problem, and I hear what you're saying, but the, the 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 rebuttal to that is coaches move as much as they want to freely. Uh, and the only penalty they pay is money if they have a buyout in their contract, if they have to pay something back to the school because they break their contract, that's the only penalty they face. So they're free. They're free to move, you know. I mean, it's just like the new running yeah. back coach South Carolina just hired. He was at Ole Miss two seasons ago. He was at Texas A&M last season. He's at South Carolina this season. Nobody has a problem with that. And so the feeling is players should have the same freedom of movement. And to be honest with you, if we're totally honest, how can you argue against that? 
this day well, and age. How can you argue against that? Now, I will say, I will say this. You know, coaches do have contracts, and you know, he was free of his contract at Texas A and M because his staff got fired. Not sure about his situation going from Ole Miss to uh, Texas A and M. If you want to resolve the transfer situation, then you got to get to a point where players are under contract. And of course, a contract's a two-way street. You know, they guarantee you something; you got to guarantee them something. Um, right. If we get to that point, then you won't have the transfer situation going on. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. I'm afraid. I think it's coming faster than we think. I think it's coming faster well, than we think. I think, uh, and thank you for your phone call. We got to go to the break. I think collective bargaining, unionization. Employment, W-2s, health insurance, uh, leave for uh, family care, all that kind of stuff is coming to college athletics for the players. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's a Friday night. Good to have you with us. Phil Kornblutz, Pat Daniel, phone number 888-898-2525. We'll hear from Shane Beamer coming up in just a moment, <clears throat> so stay tuned for that. We'll have some recruiting for you. Uh, George Bryan will be along. Birdies and bogeys and biceps around the state of South Carolina as we talk golf. We'll update what's happening on the PGA Tour and in other aspects of life on the golf scene, poll question of the week is now over because even though it says one day left, the ability to vote ends on X, on, a, on an X poll, formerly known as Twitter. And I can't figure that out. No one there will respond to my request. I wonder why. You think we're too far down the totem pole to get any attention from Elon about why his poll question does not give you the full length that you put in for i can't figure it out come on elon we pay you what seven eight bucks a month for that check mark least you could do is respond to our email what a joke how about it come on anyway your reaction when nick saban uh retired and dabo sweeney was not named the alabama coach 655 votes came in 85 percent said stupid question not surprised 10.4 percent He'll be the next guy. And 4.6% very surprised <clears throat> that uh, that Debo was not hired as the new coach there at Alabama. A couple of other notes to uh, tell you about. Um, don't know we'll get to this when we hear from Beamer, but he said on the Gilbert Edmund transfer, he said, um, you know, ordinarily he would not really be in favor of taking a player back who left. But this was a case where he left in good terms. He had family issues with older parents in Florida. And so he needed to be uh, closer to them, I guess, for a year. And um, he came back and just said, I want to compete. I just want to be a part of the team. I want to finish where I started, is how he put it. Uh, and Beamer made no promises to him other than the fact that he can't compete for, uh, for playing time. 
he wouldn't even give him his number back. Instead of number eight, which is, you know, these guys, they all want the single digits. <clears throat> it looks cooler. But they, uh, he gave him number 55, his original number when he was a freshman, which he said was fine with him because his goal was to finish what he started at South Carolina. So he will come in and compete at defensive end. And that's a good pickup for South Carolina. An older guy, knows the territory, was a good player for them, gave them some good moments, earned a starting spot at Florida State. So the way that worked out, it's um, nothing but a positive. That Gamecock Central story on Trey Jones, they reported that Jones will not return to the program, deciding to step away from football, 6-3-3-10. Uh, a personal choice to retire from football on Friday is what they reported. Played in a total of 29 games with six starts as an offensive guard. Came out of Abbeville High School. He was the guy in camp when Muschamp was there. Story was he ran so well in camp that they ran right over to him and made him an offer right there in camp based on his athleticism and his speed. Now, again, Beamer was asked about it and did not go as far to say that he is definitely not coming back, but this story says he's retiring from with football. That, with that story, did you also mention the Ja'Kai Moore part? Yeah. Make, okay, yeah. good. Just want to make sure we the, got out there. In the last half. I missed that on the fall. On the no, fall. that's okay. That's your busy man. that's great. So you might might lose one, but that's that's great if he's back. That's a huge get for the Gamecocks. Yes. Uh, Sports Illustrated. If I, re, if I understand this correctly, this was sent to SI staffers today, according to Richard Deitch, who is a um, who's with the athletic and he covers the media, <clears throat> the sports media, and he said that on Thursday, January eighteenth, uh, staffers were notified by the Authentic Brands Group (ABG) that the license under which the Arena Group operates SI and SI-related properties has been officially revoked by ABG, and as a result of the license revocation. They would be laying off staff that work on the SI brand. So, does that mean the end of the Sports Illustrated brand? Is it going away? Gosh. If they're laying off these people, I don't know. But that's what that's what came out there. And uh, realignment appeals to the appellate panel. This is from Moving the Chains. I believe this was today. James Island from five A to four A that was denied. Abbeville from 2A to 1A, that was approved. Huh-uh. I protest, Ladders in 1A. Ah. I protest. Sorry, Big A. Sorry, mm-hmm. Coach Nichols. We don't want you in 1A. <laughs> Go beat up 2A. Southside Christian, 3A to 2A, denied. St. Joseph's, 3A to 2A, denied. Bishop England, 4A to 3A, denied. American Leadership Academy, 3A to 2A approved. Abbeville in 1A. That is unfair. Oh, this just coming in. Oh, well, this isn't big, big news. The ACC football schedule reveal moved up. Wednesday. Okay. I thought maybe they had revealed it today, you know, like a Friday news dump. Right. So now they're going to release it on... um, on Wednesday, this coming week. Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Oh, of course, they're doing it for the ACC network. Right. Which is, they need all the help they can get. That is one awful network. It is, and it's weird reading this. I was reading Brett, Mc, Brett McMurphy and was about to say that next, if you did not already. 
it's it's still going to take some getting used to. And he says ACC will reveal 2024 football schedule on Wednesday for all 17 ACC teams. That's going to oh, take yeah, some getting yeah. used to. 17. Yeah. Um, okay, so very good. Uh, let's go back to the phones real quick. 888-898-2525 is the number. Where are we going? So, b- before we do that, just I'm curious, what we, what we just discussed, is that even a big deal? Because we already know all of each ACC team's opponents. Like We know Clemson's... We know they're going to play Louisville, NC State, Stanford, Virginia, Florida State, Pitt, Virginia, Wake Forest. We just don't know the order in which they're going to be played. But do we this, have the? Do we know home games, road games? Yeah, we know home games, road games. Uh, let's see here. The home games, home conference games will be Louisville, NC State, Stanford, and Virginia. The road games will be going to Florida State, to Pittsburgh, to Virginia Tech. And finishing, or I guess I shouldn't say finishing, going to Wake Forest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just to put the dates down. And right. Where the open, remember there'll be two open dates this year. That's right. For whatever reason. Why is that? Why do we have two open dates? Is that because it's a leap year? Or sure. Or something else? We'll, we'll go with leap year. Or some, some new NCAA thing that the Congress told them they can't do. Who yeah. knows? Maybe Congress dictated they need an extra week off. All right, what you got next? So we are going to stay here in the Midlands, and we are going to be visiting with Triple T. Triple T here uh, in Columbia. Just what I need right now. You know, my sinuses are, are, are pounding like a bass drum, and now here comes the angry black man just to add to it. ABM, welcome in. How are you? All right, great. Good afternoon, Phil. Um, I want to say something. When I said uh, the run is done with Alabama, uh, Alabama folks, I'm saying, they, 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 they're in shock right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they didn't realize those kids was going to uh, Alabama because of Nick Saban, not because of Alabama. Before Nick got to Alabama, Alabama was not relevant as far as the national championship. They went through eight coaches before they got to Nick, the number nine, with Bear Bryant. They won a national championship in 92 with Gene Starling. They won the next one in uh, 09 with Nick Saban. And then the balls get rolling. If you think about that, the the AC the SEC was not really that strong back then because everybody was winning that championship. Florida State, um, Southern Cal, Miami, uh, Penn State. You know, I'm just keeping name of Texas. And then Nick came in and changed the culture at Alabama and got the ball rolling because even Georgia wasn't winning on that championship. So, folks. The run is done, and they might go through 15 coaches before because they will never find another Nick Saban. And the last thing I'm going to say to you, to them, Bear Bryant never, never won a national championship. Bear Bryant was voted six national championships. Nick Saban played for, what, nine national championships and won six. So, folks, that's the deal. So I'm saying Nick Saban played for nine national championships and won six of them. So I'm saying this. He's the greatest coach ever at Alabama because he played for championship before you know what I'm saying is before the writers and the coaches of the pick are not the championship. So fellas, Alabama enjoy them six championships. You might not win one in the next fifteen or twenty years. Have a good day. Bye. Well at least he's mad at somebody else besides Clemson tonight, you know. Uh, there are people who kind of feel that way that uh, Oliver feels. <clears throat> Oliver has several names. Oliver, angry black man, trash-talking tiger, uh, dad of Toure. That's probably what he's most proud of, dad of Toure. 
But anyway, uh, there are people who feel like with with Saban gone, Alabama's going to shrink. And I'm like, slow down your horse. Slow it down just a little bit. It's still Alabama. And, I mean, yeah, they're having a run of players uh, defecting right now. In fact, they just had, (laughs) you know, one of their high school signees who enrolled midterm is in the portal. How's that? What a great way to begin your college career by going in the transfer portal before you go through the first spring practice at a school. And he's right. The attraction for, I guess, uh, attraction for a lot of these players was um, playing for Nick Saban. The idea of playing for the greatest of all time. And now they're, you know, they've, they've, hit, the, they've hit the road. Um, can DeBoer come in and can he refill the coffers with uh, the great players that Alabama had all the years? And can he and his staff coach as well as this previous staff? Let's face it. I mean, as great as Saban was as a coach and a motivator and a planner and everything about what he did with his program, he also had excellent coaches. And when he would lose an excellent coach, he'd replace him with an excellent coach. And Alabama didn't care what it cost uh, and what they had to do. I mean, think of some of the coaches. You know, Bill O'Brien, who's now going to Ohio State, Lane Kiffin, um, uh, Sarkeesian. Uh, those are just three off the top of my head, you know, on the offensive side. And, of course, on the defensive side, he's, he's had a run of great coaches over there, too, as coordinators. So, yeah, we'll – Everybody is going to be waiting to see what happens with this experiment, <clears throat> experiment at Alabama, the post Saban experiment, and how this new coaching staff works out. Yeah, and he's had at least two of his former proteges win national championships. Of course, with uh, Kirby Smart having two now at Georgia and Jimbo Fisher winning at Florida State. And if you really want to add in, I mean, Will Muschamp's been a part of multiple national championship winning programs, just not ever as a head coach. Sorry, Gamecocks, but. Uh, uh, a little bit. I want to add one more thing, though, do, just to what he was. The caller was saying he mentioned that Alabama kind of started that trend of SEC domination or dominance within the BCS, the college football playoff. Just want to point out that's not entirely accurate. Florida won in 06, LSU won in 07, Florida won again in 08, then Alabama won the Natty in 09. But the SEC right there actually won seven years in a row. Alabama getting the uh, fourth, sixth, and seventh of those seven consecutive championships, and. When we talk about what's going to happen in Alabama now, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to have this massive drop-off, but I do think that they have to get going quick. They still right now, they're still one of the shiny toys, one of the most elegant-looking programs in the country, winning as programs, of course. They have incredible, just immaculate facilities. Nick Saban is still in the building. To what extent will will be yet to be determined, but I mean, it sounds like he's planning on being there a lot and having kind of an open door policy for not only the new coaches but also for players to come talk to him. Really curious to see how that goes. But if Alabama comes out and has a six and six year, I don't think they will. But if they do, or seven and five, then it might it makes that climb a little bit tougher to get back to the mountaintop. We've heard Dabo Sweeney talk about that at Clemson. Once you come down a peg, it is difficult to get back up, or maybe more us talking about Clemson rather than Dabo saying it himself. But with the transfer portal the way it is today, it's also incredibly easy to rebuild a program very, very quickly. I look at TCU from just a couple years ago. That national runner-up team they had, yes, they got obliterated by Georgia, but that was Sonny Dykes' first year at the program. That team, if you look back to their roster, both sides of the ball and special teams – 
So all three phases of the ball was heavily constructed via the transfer portal. There were a lot of fourth, fifth, and sixth-year players on that who all kind of came there at once, and they had that great run all the way to the national championship game. So where I'm going with that is even if Alabama takes takes a step back, I do think it'll be more difficult. But with the transfer portal the way it is, maybe not. All right, thank you for the phone call. Uh, Another note coming out from uh, Gamecock Central. Apparently they've been uh, studying the roster that's been updated on the USC website, uh, and there is no Tyshawn Wanamaker on the uh, USC roster on their website. So they're reporting that Wanamaker is no longer, well, they're reporting that Wanamaker is no longer on the roster. Uh, You can check the roster and see for yourself. And then according to team sources, Wanamaker was ready to move on from playing football after being part of the program since 2020. This past season, he was in 10 games with four starts, playing mostly at right tackle. I kind of thought he was overmatched at right tackle, just his size, I think. Um, I thought he was overmatched out there. Uh, So this falls on the heels of the information about Trey Jones. So these are two in-state kids, Wanamaker from Calhoun County and Jones from Abbeville, and they are not on the, the roster that has been updated today with the the new arrivals, and um, and I guess maybe some walk-ons who are going to compete <clears throat> in the spring as you scan through it. Um, I'm just looking at some of these names I don't recognize. Um, for example, um, Jamie and Risher, a linebacker from Wade Hampton. Don't know if he was with him last year or not. Chase McCracken, I think he was with him last year out of uh, Hilton Head. Um William Joyce, recognize that name. He's a punter from Spartanburg. He's back with them on the roster. I do see Ja'Kai Moore's name is on the roster. Um, So anyway, those are a couple of veteran offensive linemen who are not on the Gamecocks roster at this point. Robbie Ashford, he's on the roster. They have not assigned him a number yet, but he is on the roster. Um. So there you go. Here's one I didn't recognize. Will Helmadollar, a tight end from Ben Lippin. I don't know if he was there last year or not. It says redshirt freshman. Will Helmadollar, uh, number 88. So anyway, you can check out the Gamecock roster. It's on there. It's online uh, under uh, GamecocksOnline.com. All right, let's hit the break, and we'll come back with more on this Friday edition of Sports Talk. We'll hear from Beamer coming up after the uh, top-of-the-hour break. They'll give you some recruiting as well. And uh, George Bryan will be along at the bottom of the hour. He's got a special guest as well. We'll be talking about the golf world here in South Carolina. <clears throat> I want to see if George – I'm going to challenge George <clears throat> to go play 18 holes tomorrow anywhere in the Midlands. What's the high supposed to be tomorrow? Like, Not high. Like, I don't know. Like 20, 25? Back after the break. <laughs> Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. 
When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep the number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach the number Because they know you're healthy 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible 605-7905 Seven to seven is the area code. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Imagine being a a Michigan fan. You finally win the national championship under Jim Harbaugh. And all he's done since then is interview for NFL jobs. You know, you want to feel good about your future. You want to feel like you got something going for the long term. And so the Falcons are scheduling a second interview with Harbaugh next week, according to Tom Pelissero. And Bill Belichick is in Atlanta for more meetings today. And the Falcons also want to continue the conversation with Harbaugh, who met in person with them on Tuesday. 
So <clears throat> think about that. You've got <clears throat> the possibility of hire, hiring. What, who would you hire? You know, Belichick speaks for himself. Harbaugh did a great job with the 49ers. And, of course, did a great job with Michigan. Won a national championship finally, but was winning all the time at Michigan. I mean, if you measure a coach simply by national championships, he won one. But you measure a coach by the consistency of the program and the improvement of the program, he did a great job. He's younger, obviously. Both are kind of strange birds in their own way. Um, you know, if you're the Falcons and you're hiring Belichick, you know it's a short-term hire, right? He's 71. What do you figure? He's going to coach till he's 75? You might get four years out of him, which I guess is a, in NFL terms, that's a nice run. Harbaugh is, I don't know what his age is. All. 60. He's 60? Yeah, it's a no-sprout chicken, but still, it's yeah. younger. But he is a strange dude, man. I mean, just, <clears throat> and I only say that <clears throat> from being around him at uh, the bowl game when South Carolina played him and his press conferences. And, and, you know, watching his press conferences now and the way he answers questions to, it's like his his mind is running a thousand miles an hour. He's in all kind of different directions, you know. Maybe that's just him. He's so different from his brother. His brother John just seems like um, a real calm, laid-back, easygoing kind of guy. And Jim Harbaugh just seems like he's he's all over the place. Hmm. But Falcons going to get another chance at him. They're going to get a chance with um, with Belichick as well. Uh, let's For me, see. Phil, it's not particularly close. Just to jump in, mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be Jim Harbaugh or bust for me. And Bill Belichick, that is not to take anything away from Bill Belichick. I think he is the single greatest coach in professional football ever. And then I would give Saban the nod as the best college coach ever. But I think right now I look at Harbaugh and the way he's able to relate to the younger generation. The Michigan fan, Michigan fans too, but Michigan players seem to love him. He still has that kind of, we got to go to a commercial. Yeah. Be right back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on this Friday edition of Sports Talk, bringing the heat so you can stay warm on this chilly Friday night. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel here. Earlier this afternoon, <coughs> USC coach Shane Beamer <coughs> met with the media to formally introduce <coughs> his two new assistant coaches and to also talk about things related to his team. All of it is on our website, sportstalksc.com, and also it is up in a um, – up on um, – in a podcast, up in podcast version for you at uh, SoundCloud and the other places where we have our podcast. So anyway, you can catch all of it there. But here, if you haven't heard what he had to say about uh, some things, here is some of what he had to say from the very beginning after congratulating uh, Nick Saban on a great career and uh, wishing him well and saying nice things about him. He then turned his attention to what's been going on with him and his program. December being the main signing period right now in high school recruiting, January has turned into kind of what is 
spring recruiting for coaches going out and being able to get a head start on next year so that's what we've been been doing since last week uh, it opened up on friday i believe last week so we've been out every day literally just came from a high school that i walked out of about 45 minutes ago and uh i've been out all week ohio Georgia, Richmond, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Got some great prospects. I'm going to a basketball game tonight to watch a fantastic football player play basketball tonight. Got two uh, days of just high school prospects that will be visiting campus the next couple days, and then we're out the next two weeks as well. So busy time. Uh, for us and a lot of really really good things going on uh why you guys are here are two you know new coaches it's my job as the head football coach to always evaluate everything that we're doing in our program uh, year after year and looking at how we can be better and that's not just the 10 assistant coaches that's every department in this building including myself and that's what I did, starting with the end of the regular season and trying to be very thorough on, on everything. And you're looking at it, is it something where you need to make a change and dismiss someone, or is it something that we need to be better at? But the best way for us to be better is with continuity and continuing with the same people as well. Uh, we've made a, you know some of those moves that guys that are here today, and there's other things, conversations I've had that you know maybe aren't public knowledge uh, as well, but feel like we've done done the things that we need to do to continue to move this program forward, and we need to be better. There's no question about it. Uh, with Markwell Blackwell, uh, when we made the decision to make a change at running back. Uh, at the running back position, certainly wish Montario Hardesty well and thank him for everything that he did for our program during his time here. Uh, but felt like we needed to, you know, uh, be better in some areas without a doubt. And, and Markwell uh, checked all the boxes from what we were looking for. Uh, proven recruiter. He has been a coordinator at the college level as well. Was a fantastic quarterback uh, in college himself. Has been a coordinator, like I said. Um, did not know him before this process at all. Knew of him, but had never met him in my life until we interviewed him. We interviewed uh, three guys in person for this position, uh, myself and, and Coach Loggins and some of our other staff members, and uh, really excited about his ability to recruit, his ability to coach his position, and then his ability to manage the room. And when I say manage the room, that's – uh, retaining your roster. That's recruiting new players uh, to your room, that running back position. It's uh, handling issues in that room that don't need to make it to my office as well. Uh, that's what I mean by managing your room. And he's an experienced guy that I think will do a great job from that. Again, talk to a lot of, you know, th three people in person and other guys on the phone as well. But he's someone that came highly recommended from a lot of people that I, I trust and respect in this profession. And I think he'll do a great job. Uh, in so many areas here as well. Has Florida ties, being from the Tampa area and being a high school coach down there originally also that can help us as well. Uh, James Coley, when A&M made the decision to dismiss Coach Fisher, I knew right away that James was somebody that I wanted to try and get into our program here at South Carolina in, in some way. Um, I'm not the only head coach that felt that way because James had other choices out there, one that I know of in the SEC and one that I know of in the ACC uh, that were pretty significant positions uh, as well. Uh, and it's because of the kind of coach and the kind of person he is. I did know James from our time together at the University of Georgia. 
I had coached against him when he was at the University of Miami and I was at Virginia Tech. He was the offensive coordinator at Miami and he was at Florida State with Coach Fisher. So knew a lot. Uh, I knew of him, had never met him until we went to Athens together. But we came into Athens together, both hired about the same time uh, in 2016 for that season and Kirby's first year in Athens. So we came in together and I saw firsthand what he's about. He's attractive to me from his experience in so many different areas. He's coached quarterbacks. He's coached receivers. He's coached tight ends. He's coordinated offenses at the college level. He's been a high school coach in South Florida. He's coached in the NFL. Uh, I saw what he did with with the receivers at the University of Georgia in our time there uh, as well. So we spent two years together, and then I left and went to Oklahoma, and then he carried on also. And then what he was able to do at Texas A&M also from a coaching and recruiting uh, standpoint. So I think he's somebody that will – I know he's somebody that – will make us better on and off the field, as will Mark Well. I like being able to add uh, two guys into our offensive staff room that have been coordinators at this level also. I think uh, sometimes that, that head coach position can be a lonely position, and offensive coordinator can be a lonely position as well. When you're on those headphones during games and Dow's asking if anybody has suggestions or any ideas and it's crickets, that's not a good feeling. I'm not saying that was the case last season at all. What I'm saying is I don't think you can ever have too many guys that have sat in that chair that Dow's sat in, kind of the way that I feel about Pete Limbo and guys here that you know have been head coaches as well. Because you never you never really know what it's like until you're in that chair. We've hired two guys that know what it's like to sit in that chair that Dow is in right now also. When we brought in uh, James and made him the receivers coach, that meant that we made a move with uh, Justin Stepp from go to go uh, from receivers to tight ends. A few reasons uh, for that. One, uh, from Justin's standpoint, I feel like he can make our tight end room better in regards to the passing game. I'm really pleased with, you know, what we've done at the tight end position as well the last couple of years. And uh, congratulations to Jody. Excited for him to get a head coaching opportunity at uh, Murray State, place that's near and dear to me that I spent a lot of time at growing up. Uh, but Justin gives us the ability to take his knowledge of the passing game, his knowledge of passing game fundamentals, playing out in space, which is what we do with our tight ends a lot anyway. It allows us to take that knowledge and that ability and be able to take that to the tight end room and get them better in the passing game uh, also. And uh, that's something that, I, as I looked at, we need to be better in the passing game as well, the tight end position, and, and feel like we will be. Uh, I think it's great per, uh, for, and from my standpoint. I feel like it's a really good move for Justin and his career also. It helped me as a coach when I coached multiple positions. It helped me to grow when I went from – here at South Carolina before coaching like outside linebackers my first year, corners my second year, and I want to say safeties or spurs or whatever but my title was my third year. It helped me grow as a coach. When I was at Mississippi State, I coached defensive backs or corners the first two years. I coached uh, uh, running backs my last year at Mississippi State. When I went to the University of Georgia, I'd never coached tight ends in my life. 
and it forced me to really grow as a coach. And if Justin has goals outside of here, which I know he does, the best way to me to be able to take that next step as a coordinator, head coach, whatever it might be, is to continue to grow, you know, your resume and your responsibilities and tight end positions, an awesome position to coach because it's the one position on the offense. You're involved in the passing game. You're involved in the running game protections, and it really forces you to grow. So I'm excited for his ability to help our tight end room be better in a lot of ways and, and, and his ability to connect with the young men and build relationships will help that tight end room as well with so many new faces and and then we got a lot of new faces in our wide receiver room also and we've done some good things at the receiver position the last three seasons but I feel like we can be even better in that wide receiver room and believe that James is the guy that can help us uh, got a lot of new faces we have a new receivers coach and it's kind of a fresh start for a lot of those guys in there we got a lot of young players that we have to develop and get on the field quickly and uh uh, James coaching wide receivers and Justin coaching the tight ends best helps us do that as well. Um, really pleased with where we are through our first two weeks of 2024 in regards to the school year, uh, the, the start that our guys are off on off academically too. And then in the weight room as well, we're two weeks in with coach uh, day and our strength and conditioning staff pleased with the new freshmen that are here pleased with the transfers that have come in. They're great people. I know we'll have a media availability for those new transfers here soon. I'm eager for you to, to meet them. Uh, but there's, it's very evident. We've had two or three team meetings and some stuff out on the field with them already in addition to what they're doing in the weight room. And it's very evident there's a, uh, there's a maturity and a, and a hunger with this group. Uh, there was already with the people that were returning off last year's team and it's, the maturity has increased and the hunger has increased with the guys that we've brought in to the program as well already with the freshmen and the transfers also. So it's, it's, a, it's a neat group. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. There's no question about it, but really pleased with what we've done the first couple weeks and, and uh, got a couple more weeks on the road recruiting, and then we'll fully be involved you know, with the team as coaches. And, and we're still involved right now, but not to the degree that we will be once we get off the road in February. So that's kind of an update on where things are right now. Uh, glad to take some questions here before these other guys come in. You're throwing me off, Rick, being over there. It's like I'm not I'm... – somebody take your seat. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if this was a new 2024 or, or what this was going to be, your new location. Mm -hmm. Shane, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, first, uh, do you have a date for start of spring practice and spring game? We do. Um, I don't have that in front of me right now. We're starting spring practice. If you want to look at the academic calendar, we have spring break here. We typically start right after spring break. Um, again, like I said earlier, always kind of looking to see how we can be better. Felt like the best thing for us was to come back off spring break, give our guys a week in the weight room to kind of ramp up and get ready for spring practice the following week. So the week after spring break, we come back from spring break, we have a week of workouts, and then we're going to start the following Tuesday, whatever that day is. It's the middle of March. And then the spring game is – uh, next to last Saturday in April. Sorry, I should have all the 20th. There you go, the 20th. And then a couple updates, old guys. Uh, Trey Moore, there was a report out today about his status next year, said he might be medically retiring. And also, I'm sorry, Trey Jones. Trey Jones. And uh, Ja'Kai Moore, uh, what's his status? Uh, Ja'Kai is great. Uh, here, working out, looks great, doing well, excited, and and um, eager to get going. Uh, Trey is working through some things right now. Um uh, started out workouts with us last week and, and 
taking a little bit of time right now to kind of figure out what's next for him. And uh, everything's fine. It's nothing, you know, uh, concerning. He's just thinking through some things about the, what, the, what the next step is for him in regards to his uh, football career and, and uh, something that we're working through right now. But we're in constant communication with. Shane, I know that, you know, from a fan base standpoint, they see Gilbert Edmond coming back to South Carolina and obviously with the transfer portal, this is something that, you know, it's not unique. Uh, we've seen that actually, you know, former Gamecock player that went back to his old college. I bring that up because obviously this is the first case. Can you kind of share with us what went into that thought process? And I know you talked about in the past, you know, this is something that it's a business decision. But again, now that it's finally here, kind of just talk us through that. Yeah. Um... That was one that I didn't anticipate having a decision to make on. Um, I got word, I guess, so whatever it was, a week ago Friday or two weeks ago Friday that Gilbert had an interest in coming back into this program. I think every situation is different, Mike. I'm never going to let this be a situation where, hey, you guys leave, and if it doesn't work out where you are, come on back. It's it's not like that at all. And I told our team that I'm not going to let this become a precedent where you just try your hand somewhere else and then come on back if it doesn't work out. Uh, something that I thought long and hard about because of that very reason. I talked to starting on Friday night of that weekend. I talked to Gilbert, and we had a good long conversation. Uh, I talked to probably seven or eight of the – older guys on this team, leaders on this team, to get their thoughts on what they thought as well. I talked to some of the staff members that I trust. Not I trust them all. Some of the staff members that would have a dog in that fight that, you know, kind of see where their thoughts were on things. And um, thought a lot about it and went back and forth, I'll be honest with you. But in the end, my job is to always, you know, you guys have heard me say it a million times, do what I think is best for the football team. And there's some guys, Mike, I'll just be completely honest, that have left the program. If they called and said they wanted to come back, it would be a heck no pretty quickly. And that wasn't the case with Gilbert. And it goes back to why he left our program to begin with. He handled it the right way when he left. Was I ticked off that he left? Yes. Was I disappointed? Yes. Was I happy? Not at all. But he handled it the right way, and I understood the reasons why. And sure, NIL, I'm sure, was involved. All right. But also, what people don't realize is, you know, Gilbert's from Florida. His parents are getting up in age. I think his dad is 71 years old. And it was a situation with him where he really felt like he needed to get back closer to home. And I understood that. I didn't like it. And I think there were other things going on. I'm not naive. But he handled it the right way. We had the right, we had the, Respectful conversations when he left here last year about why he was thinking about leaving. And when I talked to him, he was very, um, I don't want to say remorseful, but he was very eager about getting back here. And I tried to paint as ugly a picture as I could, that there's going to be guys in that locker room, Gilbert, that probably are mad that you left, and it's going to take some time to rebuild that trust with them. And he was adamant about wanting to. I said, Emory Floyd's wearing number eight, so you're not going to get number eight, and I don't have any like cool number I can give you. And he said, give me 55. 55 is what they gave me when I started out as a player here as a freshman, and I want to come back and finish what I started. I said, 
I don't know what, in, what you were making from an NIL standpoint at Florida State, but you ain't getting anything remotely close to that here. Like, if you're coming back here, it ain't going to be because of NIL reasons, and it's not. Uh, I said, you, that room is different than the one that you left. The only two guys in that edge room that you still know are Terrell Dawkins and Brian Thomas. Everyone else is new, and it's a, it's a probably a better group than the one you left last year. So you're going to have to compete to even earn a role. And he said, Coach, I just want the opportunity to come back to South Carolina to finish what I started back when I was a freshman. And the more and more I thought about it, you know, he was a great young man when he was here. There were no issues here as far as misbehaving, showing up on lists. He did what he was supposed to do. He was popular on this team. And I felt like it was an opportunity to make our team better with a guy that was a good player and good person when he was here. You know, even inadvertently, as Beamer was talking about uh, Gilbert Edmond, and he said his departure, he's, what, how'd he put it? I know NIL had something to do with it uh, when he left to go to Florida State. I mean, right there, you're saying NIL was used in pulling away one of your players, which is exactly what the NCAA is uh, trying to hammer schools on right now with their effort to get back into the game with rules and try to get some kind of a handle on this. So anyway, even when you're just talking about it honestly and innocently and you blurt something out like that, you know, that could be used in some kind of case against somebody if they want to you know, come after you about it. All right, we got to run to our break. And when we come back, we'll give you the recruiting report tonight. Then George Bryan III, birdies, bogeys, biceps. Man, can you imagine playing golf tomorrow you got a three iron in your hand. You take a hard swing and you hit a root. Can you imagine the bumblebees going up and down your arms after you make that kind of contact? I've done that before. Be back in a moment. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint. That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. This is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. 
Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, recruiting report here on Sports Talk brought to you by Seawells. Wrapped up another big week of the daily luncheon buffet at Seawells with a delicious roast beef Friday with pork chops and fried chicken and all the great vegetables. They'll be back at it next week, so make your plans to get there for lunch. And for the very best in the catering business, just look up Seawells online at SeawellsCateringSC.com or give them a call at 803 771 7385. One of the best athletes in the 2025 class in South Carolina, no doubt, is wide receiver tight end Stephen Collier, 6'4", 205, of River Bluff. He's also a baseball prospect. He'd like to play both sports in college. But first, there's football recruiting. He'll visit USC tomorrow for a junior day. Tight ends coach Justin Stepp was in to see him on Wednesday and they have been developing a pretty good relationship as the recruiting has gone along. Last season, he caught 60 passes, 700 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Coaches love his versatility who can play because he can play both wide receiver and tight end. He plans to visit Florida next weekend in Virginia, February 3rd. Cavaliers OC Des Kitchings was in this week as well. He's expecting Georgia, Florida, East Carolina, and Coastal Carolina to come in for a visit as well. He actually grew up a North Carolina fan, though both parents went to South Carolina. Receiver Miguel Skinner of Riverside plans to be at USC tomorrow, as does 2026 linebacker Shandarius Tootle of Mobile, Alabama. Others expected at USC tomorrow. Quarterback Ryan Montgomery, safety Jordan Young, defensive tackle Sterling Sanders, offensive tackle Shed Surratt, Offensive tackle Michael Carroll, receiver Brian Rowe, defensive back receiver Christopher Hatfield. In the 26th class, receiver Carnell Warren, defensive tackle Noah Clark, receiver Jude Hall. Hey, Jude. Uh, Cornerback Samari Matthews, defensive tackle. That was the Beatles, Pat. Defensive tackle Desmond Green, receiver Naylan Scott. Clemson's expecting cornerback DJ Pickett tomorrow. 26 defensive end Xavion Griffin Haynes of Roseville, North Carolina, USC just offered. Going to visit NC State this weekend, USC next weekend. Receiver Clark Sanderson of Mountain Brook, Alabama. Receiver Parker Fulgham, Shreveport, Louisiana, accepted PWO offers from Clemson. USC offered 26 quarterback Will Griffin of Tampa. Rock Hill receiver Malik Clark was offered by Vanderbilt. Charleston native tight end Marshall Pritchett of Rabin Gap, Georgia, offered by Virginia. 
And Alabama, highly recruited, highly rated quarterback signee Julian Sayan entering the transfer portal, John, according to ESPN. After not even having his first practice at Alabama. There you go with recruiting. Check it out over the weekend on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit and That's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle Like they say All right, let's welcome in George Bryan Third. To Sports Talk, another edition of Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps, brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports and Fitness. Welcome in, George. George, <clears throat> tomorrow the temperature is supposed to be like in the mid-20s, maybe the low 30s. What is the coldest weather you've ever played a full round of golf in? Uh, single digits. <laughs> uh, right at single digits back at uh, Christmas christmas holiday season right after i started playing golf and it probably started single digits but probably got into double digits and i got a brand new set of fg wilson staff fg 17s that my girlfriend at the time gave me and it was at the williston uh, williston country club down in williston south carolina and the golf course was nobody was in the shop so i helped myself and it, I played twice on the nine-hole track, which, by the way, was a sneaky fun gym. And not sure how many folks enjoy it. Not real sure if it's still open. That'd George, be uh, trivia. George, you might have been breaking some local laws there in Williston. And, you know, there is no, um, uh, <clears throat> what do they call it, um, no statute of limitations on this. I hope the Williston police is not listening. <laughs> You know, that would be it. It was definitely, it, it would challenge the statute because this had to be in the 80, 81 neighborhood. And, but I remember just having a blast. I had it obviously to myself. And that ball will roll quite a while, ways on the frozen ground. And I, even though it was cold and I didn't, I don't, I don't remember hitting it all that good. I do remember the ball bouncing quite a bit and, so I have never played ice golf like I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, it looks intriguing to watch on TV. Not so much, not so sure I'd want to engage. But hey, the way I look at the winter though is it's still the it's the first season, and mm. the golf courses we'll have them to ourselves if open. And you know I know there's plenty to talk about tonight, and but one thing that is going to happen as a result of this cold weather the the ultra dwarf, these these uh, spectacular Bermuda grass greens that we have, some some blends, some of the types they will have to protect cover, and so some of the golf courses will actually be closed around the state. No question. Yeah, uh, it, they cover them. It's been described to me. Patrick Reese is a new young superintendent at Selena Golf Club 
in Columbia, a new course. We're only open to preview play at this point, but I was in a brief discussion with him and a little later with Chris Noonan, who's my roommate in college. He's the assist, one of the assistant superintendents at Dato Island, and both of them gave me a – they know they have to talk simply to me. Mm. And, you know, like anything, you want to keep it warm, but you got to let it breathe too. So they got these cool covers you can put on these greens. Now, you can't play any golf, but they'll keep the greens somewhat insulated where the roots don't freeze deep. Now, that's, that wouldn't be a good thing, so – but the golf courses that are all open, I'm pretty sure you'll have them to yourself this weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you can go out there and get get in 18 or 36, whatever the case may be. Now, when you play in this kind of weather, I mean, you you got to put on some clothes. You got to you got to put some layers on. But how do you how do you dress yourself so that you're still flexible enough to play the game the right way, so you're not too hindered by what you're wearing? Yeah, and that's one of the things. We don't like a lot of heavy stuff to restrict our movement, especially if we age a little bit, as I have been blessed to do. Uh, the, it seems, but I don't care about all the heavy mess. I'll put it on, and whatever I get is what it is. But I do think the you can keep the head, the hands, and the feet covered up. So stocking cap, something to cover the ears. Those mittens are pretty good. And then, hey, Tommy, two gloves, who's been on this show. We need to get two gloves on again as we mm-hmm. warm up our golf season. We'll do that. And speaking of guests, Randolph Smith, I was just talking to him on the phone, and he reminded me, I know I'm veering off a little bit, try not to get on a rabbit trail, but the game lost a great one in Jackie Burke Jr. And, uh, uh, and Randolph was telling me, and I went to high school with Randolph Smith, and he was telling me a story where he went to visit and just his office uh, museum and Randolph didn't expect to spend but a, a quick minute with him, but he spent close to an hour. And uh, But Randolph Smith will be a guest on the show. Oh, goodness, right before I came on the air with you, I was mixing it up with him and Phil. There are so many cool things about this game. So those who don't want to play, you can watch it on TV, and there's some pretty good-looking weather the last few weeks. And you can watch others go play, but there's always the talk. I think there's golf could be the most interesting sport to talk about that there is. And I, by the way, you're doing a good job. I know you're struggling with that, whatever the the cold and head. I, when you told me this afternoon that that you might be hacking and coughing, we're going to miss some guests. I've invited a few that couldn't join because they. Locked up due to the head colds and mm. stuff. You're doing a good job. Phil. Hey man, I'm a You're warrior. <clears throat> I'm a warrior, George. And if people can put up with me uh, clearing my throat every so often, and the nasality of my voice, uh, we can we can get through it. While you're talking about uh, playing in beautiful climates, we're playing the American Express. Don't leave home without it. At mm. the Pete Dye Course out in La Quinta, California. I believe that's where they got the name of the hotels from, right? La Quinta, California. La Quinta. Hotels and inns. <clears throat> got to be. Anyway, we got some familiar names, but let's, uh, uh, who are playing well, let's give the top of the leaderboard where you got Sam Burns, <clears throat> 17 under par, George, 61 today. 17 under par, 
61, he moved up 22 spots. Michael Kim, a 63, he moved up 12 spots. He's at 16 under. K.H. Lee, a 64. Nick Dunlap, a 65. They're at 15 under. And Patrick Cantlay, a 66. He's at 14 under. A bunch at 14. Eric Cole, uh, Adam Hadwin, Siwoo Kim, Christian Basenhaut, and Alex Noren. They are all at 14 under par. But how about that little 61? And then... <clears throat> Excuse me. We got Ben Martin, a 64. He's at 12 under. We've got uh, Justin Thomas at 12. Scotty Scheffler's at 11. Matt Neesmith, the former Gamecock, a 66. He's at 11 under. Carson Young, a 64. He's at 10 under. And Ricky Fowler's at 6 under. Bill Haas, a 73. He's at 3 under. Michael Block. 71, he's at one under. Andrew Novak, a 72, he's even. And Kevin Kisner, <clears throat> 75, and he's at plus five. And um, I'm looking here. There's got to be – is this a cut-free tournament? What am I What am I missing here? There's a, They're likely cut after three rounds. Oh, okay. And although I didn't – I did not look uh, anymore – Bad on me. I need to be looking at these formats to make sure because they're likely to change. We know we got the live tour, the three rounders, and and uh, but this is traditionally uh, they're playing. They got three golf courses, so they'll each play a course. Uh, and I'm looking at that cut line. My goodness gracious, it's got to be very close. It could sneak in there to double digits, probably eight nine under. Will be that cut. I'm looking at the. I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the rules right here. The American Express <clears throat> features a 54 hole cut, so three rounds will be played before the field is cut in half. American Express is one of the few events that takes place over more than one course. Okay, you make excellent sense there, George. Excellent sense. And that's a that's an excellent uh, three round rotation. And that's I, if we. On the PGA Tour, if the PGA Tour had played more events like that, there would have never been a live tour. Really? And in my opinion, because that's the simple answer to just attracting, allowing more people to play, letting the game grow, but it's just something that uh, just didn't happen. And maybe, maybe the argument years ago was there wasn't enough talent and you you only wanted a few, but uh, about like anything, expansion and growth, uh, the way that you get better players is have a bigger field. And the fish theory, ponds, the lakes, the ocean, the big fish need some room to, to grow. And the big fields uh, just bring out the best and been an advocate of that for a long time. And then the other side is, how you conduct the championship, how the conditions change from one day to the next, and what's fair and what's not. And But I just, hey, I always have been under the, I, the more the merrier. And I even looked at this one. It's a trim down. They only have about 160 players maybe. And it, they could easily bring in, no no problem, 200 players. But that, but that's a pro-am. They're the part of that, the 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 other side of that is 
Now, in this event, they've got their amateur partners, and I think that is uh, a huge – and I'm guessing, by the way, I hadn't watched it on TV. Mm -hmm. I've been doing a little traveling. I actually uh, was in Charlotte today with some grandbabies, so I didn't – usually I'll catch it about this time in the evening, and I'm guessing the pro-ams – I'm guessing the amateurs are in the field with them. But I think that's a great idea. Pebble Beach has always been – one of the most popular events. Why not? Why not uh, duplicate what what the fans like the most? That's always a fan favorite, Pebble Beach. So coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. We're at that <clears throat> time of the year where <clears throat> we got the West Coast swing going, and then head down here to uh, to Florida, make their way around Florida, and then of course Augusta's always on everybody's mind. Even this far away from the Masters, we're thinking about it. And I'm sure you saw where Bernhard Longer announced on Wednesday this will be his last competitive round at Augusta National. Two-time winner. He's played, uh, like, what, 40-something years at Augusta and uh, still has a really – well, he'll admit he hasn't been all that competitive at Augusta in, in recent years. And he's such a competitive individual that's probably driven him – to this point, but my goodness, even at at his age, he's in he's in great shape. Uh, but he said, "Look, he says I'll be hitting. How do you put it? I'll be hitting two and three irons, uh, and and other fellows will be hitting uh, nine irons uh, in into the greens." And it's just for him, it's just not a competitive thing anymore. Well, I think when it when it gets there, he'll they'll be hitting wedges, and he'll be hitting hybrids and fairway woods. Uh, that, that, but here's the thing. I believe he's going to play well. This guy doesn't, he's so competitive. I see him making the cut and, and being asked to come back, begged to come back for another go. He's made the cut in the last three or four years. And I want to say, even had a little bit of a stretch Thursday or Friday and got on the leaderboard. So you never can tell. The game's crazy. I hope uh, – I think he'll be fired up. I wouldn't be – I'd be surprised if he missed the cut. Now, no one – I don't know him that well, but what little I know about the competitive spirit that he expresses, he'll want to make the cut on his swan song. I would think play so. Well. I would think so. You know? And he still – I would not – I would not – I would bet him making the cut. I would bet on – him and I'd bet heavy on him making the cut this year. Well, you know, <clears throat> I think last year he won the seniors or what they call it, the championship tour. Didn't he win the championship tour? Um, senior long cha- championship was it, he won something on the? He's like the all time winning, all time leading winner on the champions tour. Number one, and he won this past year. <clears throat> and he and his son just won the uh, the the PNC. Uh, team championship, right? He and his son. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's what I, I, Bob Estes back about six or seven years ago said. George, I don't. He he's a three or four or five time tour winner. He said, George, I I'll tell you physically, uh, I believe somewhere in the near future there's going to be a somewhere between a sixty eight and a seventy year old that that slips out on a regular tour event and stuns everybody. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm saying it's going to be some stunning older players, uh, older player type results. And, and I'm always fascinated with 
with that. Uh, like at the, at the Masters, that's the preview, and you watch. There'll be every year, every year, there's always mid-50s. Even Tom Watson, you know, remember years ago, he mm-hmm. almost wins the British Open at 59 years old. Mm-hmm. There just didn't. There isn't another game out there like it, and uh, it's one you can play deep into the uh, – high up on that chronological ladder. (laughs) Well, if you keep yourself in relatively good shape, which takes us to Tiger and what to kind of expect from him, uh, I guess he'll make his debut at the Genesis. I think he always tries to play in that. I think he's – isn't that like his tournament out, out in Los Angeles? I imagine he'll make his his season debut there, uh, and then sort of. Um, you think he'll play in the players in March? Will he Will he be that far along? You think to want to play in the players? Not even going to guess on that, and really hope that uh, what I saw in that uh, uh, father son or parent child back in November uh, or December was spectacular. He. He, his game looks great, and he's also – I've always watched how he's walking. This is TV, but he actually looks really good with his gait, with his walk, mm-hmm. uh, not favoring that, uh, that one side or the other. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he didn't make, like, a crazy good showing. And it's it, – to me, now what I picked up is that he had written in the – a walk. He had walked in the practice rounds. I spoke to somebody, a, a journalist, who told me they were down, and he had walked in the practice rounds mm-hmm. uh, and looked great. So, you know, it's uh, it's speculation, but uh, he brings it. He absolutely brings the attention to the game. And and uh, you mentioned the physical condition. Well, this segment has been sponsored by Tsunami Bar Sports for quite a while, and there's some cool things that we've been. It's just been bubbling. I've noticed Wesley and, and George, and they've been in the gym a little more over the winter, and that's a technology that I, it was created for the young folks, the football players specifically, in the Clemson weight room back a little over 10 years ago. And, and David Abernathy is the inventor, and he was working there for uh, Coach Batson as the assistant strength coach. And, and this is a technology. It's fun. It's safe. Uh, you can get use the uh, imagination and the creativity. It was invented for the football players and the youth, but I've said all along the biggest beneficiaries are the folks with a few miles on their treads. As, we, as you get, uh, as that tread wears out, hmm. and uh, and the uh, what we call them the tensiles, is the tendons and ligaments get a little tighter, uh, a little a little calloused. Well, this technology kind of stretches them out. And it gives uh, it gives the joints some happy juice. That synovial fluid loose uh, causes causes uh, those joints to feel young again. And uh, had a got Doctor Moore. He's uh, a little over seventy when he gave me this this uh, example testimony. He says it feels like after using it, uh, my joints feel washed and cleaned, almost nourished. And he he just used the multi 47 on his paper box walk right before he got in his car, didn't use it, but a couple of minutes a day, but mm-hmm. that's how he described it. And at tsunami bar sports, we're also sitting right on the edge. Weather has prevented us from finishing 
our uh, indoor facility. Hey, this kind of weather promotes the sim practice, the indoor training. Several at Players Club downtown, great simulator option, uh, sponsored us for a little over a year, a couple years back, Phil. And that's a great, those are great winter options. And sim practice and Albany Bar Sports will be marketing and what we call our simulator division. We got a turf division of Tsunami Bar Sports, meaning the greens in the backyard. So at home practice, the at home gyms, the garage pro shop will be open in just uh, a few weeks. And we'll be talking more about that. And we started somewhere around Thanksgiving previewing those. Andrew Allen is over in Aner, right near the beach. And He'll be uh, he'll he'll actually join us at the Carolinas PGA show. He'll be on the radio show on a regular basis. And but here's the thing: when it's cold, and it is it causes those muscles uh, to tighten up. You got to get a little blood flowing through them. And that tsunami bar technology, the push pull, you've used it, Phil. Mm-hmm. Not sure how uh, not sure how much time you've had to de- to devote to it lately, but. Talk a little bit about what you do with those sticks. <clears throat> well, I tell you what, <clears throat> I love to show them off on the first tee, George. <laughs> Take them out to the first tee. I pull them out. <clears throat> People think I'm a golfer when they see that. And um, I, for me, they're they're great tools to kind of help loosen up as best as I can and uh, help you stretch it out, help you kind of get your swing. I see it sort of like warming the engine, you know. Warming the engine and helping you get yourself into that rhythm. Of course, you know, you can put the club in your hand and get a feel that way. But uh, putting the, um, well, using the Laginator uh, really helps you kind of get that rhythm going towards a, that first tee before you step on that first tee box. And, and you know, if you're <clears throat> a rank-and-file golfer like I am, sort of helps you get that first whole jitters out of you, you know, so you you got your swing. You got your swing kind of going. You got your momentum going. You just walk up to the tee box, put the uh, the tee in the dirt, uh, put the ball on the tee, and swing away, and uh, and keep that rhythm going from when you were using it during warm up. Um, and uh, and and then the um, the longer bar, very good for stretching purposes, getting that back turn, getting that thing up on the shoulders, and. Getting a little burn going up there. I like to get a little burn going up there before we uh, we get out on the tee box. So I do put them to good use when I get a chance to play. And that's what we want to do is uh, we're going to look to 2024 to break some records on the track. You'll already, uh, you already have the one at the scramble. We'll talk more about that. We've got some cool ideas that uh, involve the whole family. The winter youth golf tour is going on this year. We 16 Midlands golf courses are involved and, uh, the scramble will be on the rotation for the spring mm. presentation. The scramble course and our family junior through Lexington County Recreation and Aging. More, we'll be previewing this what we call our short, fast, and fun golf. Not just the family, but uh, skill players. Wesley and a couple of his uh, tour buddies have been out and they have spent hours just tracking around working on their wedges their field touch and and have, uh, have any of those boys challenged the uh, course record that that no, i well, set be- before um you know and then and then had their picture made uh 
there at the what do we call it the um oh the the, the, the Robbie the and George no the bridge the bridge over the Robbie and oh, yeah, George the, Gorge the the Robbie yeah. and George <laughs> Gorge Bridge that's yeah, what it is right. every right. every famous golf course has a famous bridge right 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 yeah and and you know they cannot challenge that because you're in a category of one remember you're in that category of one so yours is insulated and protected uh-huh. now uh wesley did shoot six under for six holes but that he's a professional phil yeah he's a professional well i'll, so, I'll, I'll give him the, the fact that uh he could probably beat me on any given day i'll give him that well it's possible yeah. it's possible and you know what will be fun is is us uh we'll get some stretched out days and we'll be out on the course doing some live uh, broadcast, and I just can't wait for that spring. These kind of days and these kind of weekends make us appreciate our beautiful Indian summers in February and our March spring weather. And My wife is sitting here so patiently. She's ready to have dinner, Phil. Oh. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to sign off a little early tonight. Well, because we're out of time anyway, George, so have a great weekend. Tee them high, but shoot them low. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday.